0: So one thing that I like to do is a little bit of an icebreaker exercise of word association. There are 10 words, and I would like you to tell me what's the first game that comes to mind. Is that okay? Absolutely. All right. First game that comes to mind with the word childhood.
1: Um, adventure.
0: Adventure. Is that for the Atari?
1: Yes, yep, Atari 2600.
0: Adventure. Number two is growth.
1: Uh, let's see here, growth. Um, Zelda.
0: Zelda, the first one? Yes. Ambition
1: ambition um uh halo 2
0: halo 2 whoa there's a lot of range here (laughs) Uh, (laughs) adventure
1: let's go with um the adventures of link
0: next one is story
1: final fantasy 2 yeah 2 for the super nintendo so i guess it's 2 4 they call it right
0: Mm, interesting um, next one is Nuance
1: Nuance gosh that's a tough one here let's go with uh, Metroid Prime
0: Metroid Prime alright uh, next one is Regret
1: Castlevania Adventure for the Game Boy
0: next word is Family
1: Super Smash Brothers for the Wii U Legacy Uh, Castlevania 4.
0: And the last word is truth.
1: Let's just go with space invaders.
0: A good story always has a beginning. So would you mind telling me about your first gaming memories.
1: Oh, sure. Well, given my age, I was uh, around for the birth of the gaming industry, so to speak. Um, so I have I have memories of playing the Odyssey uh, before the Atari 2600 really was popularized. So my first gaming memories are getting a Odyssey machine and hooking it up to my black and white television and playing all the various versions of Pong. So that is my very first gaming memory. The Odyssey. Yeah. And there was, you know, if you know the history, there's a whole... I don't remember exactly which one I had because there's a whole slew of them. Because once that became popular, everybody started scrambling to create an Odyssey machine or a Pong machine, as they called it, I think. If I remember right, it was one of the... It was yellow, I think. It could have been a knockoff. My memory isn't the greatest, especially... (laughs) It was a long time ago, but I believe it was the yellow, the yellow Odyssey.
0: And this machine, have you seen it? You know, was it later around at the at your parents' house or something?
1: I mean, the one that I had. No, I haven't seen that one. No, I'm not sure where that is.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about you know your parents? Their attitude towards video games, or how did that machine come into your life? You know, who bought it, such and such?
1: Sure, sure. Well, the memories of the Odyssey are are vague. Um, I, I do have of playing it but there's not a lot of memories playing it so more than that is my atari 2600 and i have a lot of very vivid memories of that system um, especially how i got it um my father actually bought that from a co-worker at his job and i never forget he came home one day from work and had this brown paper bag and he uh (laughs) put it on the counter and I remember looking in it and seeing, you know, all these games. I knew what it was. And I saw these wires. I was so excited that he brought home this Atari system and all this bag full of games. But I couldn't play it that night. Uh, I think it might have been getting late or maybe we had somewhere to go. So I remember I had to wait until the following day after school. And I just never forget all day at school. I just could not wait to get home and check out all these Atari games uh, that my dad had brought home from work. So my, my father actually bought me my first gaming system. Um, I think the Odyssey was probably given to me by a relative or something like that Mm -hmm. because uh, I'm not, I don't think my parents bought that. Uh, I just remember having it because back, back when I was a kid, we always, I had a very large family and we would pass things around as my older cousins got older. We would get hand-me-down toys, hand-me-down clothes. was a very common uh, theme in my family was to get old toys and hand-me-downs and such. So, and my parents were very frugal. We, you know, we, I was one of four kids and my father was blue collar and my mom never worked. So uh, money was often tight. So mm-hmm. most of the things that we got were, were used, not new.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you grow up in the same general area where you live now?
1: Um, the same state, but not in the same area. I grew up in a suburb um, uh, south of Baltimore City, mm-hmm. um, not near the city. It was in the suburbs. Um it was a great place to grow up. I loved it. I have very, very fond memories from my childhood. Uh, growing up where I did and living where I did, it was very safe. Um, I lived by the water. There's lots of parks and playgrounds. I could, you know, back then you could venture off as a child and just go wherever you wanted. And nobody, <laughs> there was no concern of getting abducted or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I had a very free uh, childhood uh, in terms of where I lived and where I could play and where I could adventure to.
0: So in your childhood? You were a kid that uh, played a lot outside, I guess, you know, sports and and those types of things, along with video games?
1: Yes, yes. It was, I believe, looking back, it was a a very good, healthy mix. Um, I never played team sports. Uh, I did play a lot, though. I had a basketball hoop in my backyard. I loved basketball. I often played softball at the park and uh, even football. I loved playing Frisbee, playing catch in the backyard. I was very, very um, outdoorsy as a child. Uh, as I said, I lived by the beach. We'd often go fishing and riding our bikes everywhere. I was really into BMX biking and skateboarding as I got a little older. But, man, I have just as many memories, you know, hunkered down in my basement playing Nintendo and Atari and, and uh, you know, playing with my Transformers and my G.I. Joes and all my toys. So it, it was, a, I believe, looking back, a, a pretty good healthy mix. I wasn't, you know, in the house too much, but I did really love my television and my, <laughs> and my Nintendo and my comic books and all that stuff.
0: It sounds like you have really fond memories, like a happy childhood. Yes.
1: And I I believe that it's part of why maybe I'm so uh, drawn to nostalgia because that's, I believe that there's this prime little window in your life uh, prior to adolescence, prior to teenage years, uh, where you have very strong memories, like between the ages, I'd say between like 10 and around 13, where if that's a happy time in your life, at least for me, if it's if you're content, if you're comfortable, if uh, there's no trauma going on, then you know I'm I'm drawn to that period. Those those mid '80s when I was a kid are magical to me because it was such a happy time. I was a child. I had no worries. I had no responsibilities. I had a very safe and happy family. Um, my parents loved each other. They had a good marriage. I had you know just a good good family, and uh, because of that. Uh, I think I'm very drawn to that period of my life, which is why I am so into 80s nostalgia.
0: <laughs> yeah, like stuck in the 80s, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So let's go back a little bit to your family. Uh, you say you had three siblings, right? Uh, yes. And a lot of cousins and such and such. So yes. did you play a lot of games and or video games with them?
1: I played... A lot of video games with my younger brother. Mm-hmm. He's uh, two and a half years younger than me. Um, I have a lot of fond memories playing Atari and Nintendo with him and mostly neighborhood kids. I didn't play a lot of video games with my cousins. Um, we went to visit them periodically, uh, but they didn't come over to the house on a daily basis or anything like that. They they didn't live necessarily far away. Some of them did. But when we would visit my cousins, it was like a family trip you know, kind of thing. So we didn't like hang out. With, I didn't hang out with my cousins. Most of my video game playing was with my brother, um sometimes my younger sister and um, neighborhood friends,
0: neighborhood friends. So socially, would you say video games were like a big part of your life in in a social aspect?
1: Definitely. yep. yep. we had We would have sleepovers, and the go-to thing was to play video games. We would play. We'd have a tournament one so Atari game, or you know, as the years went by, we would play. Double Dribble or, you know, Blades of Steel all night long into the wee hours of the morning. So lots of lots of fun memories uh, playing specifically my Atari and Nintendo during, you know, sleepovers and stuff.
0: Do you have memories before video games or were video games pretty much from the get-go from your...
1: Pretty much from the get-go. I, if I think back hard enough, I could probably envision a time when there was no video games. Because as I said, I remember getting my Atari... Um, and I, I imagine I was probably around seven years old when I got that. Mm-hmm. Um, and prior to that, I do remember being a very young child just playing with my Matchbox cars and you know whatever GI Joes I may have had. Uh, but because get, getting my Atari was such a significant <laughs> memory, uh, it was it was definitely pretty early on though. I mm-hmm. was again, I, I think I was probably seven or eight years old.
0: So it, and you said you already knew what an Atari. 2600 was correct
1: well i remember being excited and Mm -hmm. looking in there knowing vaguely what it was probably primarily based on commercials that i may have seen on television i don't think i'd ever played it before i think my atari was the first time i ever played one was the one that i got from my father
0: which game was the first one that, that you played
1: i remember some of the games i got it was probably pitfall or possibly um asteroids or you know one of the earlier atari games maybe even the The Gunslinger one or Barnstorming. I don't remember. (laughs) I had so many, because that bag was chock full of games. Um, There was quite a few. And then I built my collection fairly quickly after that. um, And I had a lot of Atari games growing up.
0: Do you have some of these games or the original system you got?
1: Not the ones that I have, but I have reacquired them, yes. Mm, Okay. I have quite a a healthy Atari collection.
0: Yeah, I can see from your videos. (laughs) I was just wondering (laughs) if, if some of those were like the original ones.
1: Unfortunately, not. Um, again, as I said before, um, when I grew up, grew up and got older, my parents' go-to move was, "Okay, you're not playing with these. We're going to give them to some of your younger cousins." Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't care back then. I, I, yeah, you're right. I'm not playing with this anymore. Go ahead, give it away. You know, I, little did I know how much I would, you know, be upset about that. <laughs> now I am thankful that my mom did. She decided which toys that I would be attached to, and she was a little off. <laughs> Like, she she kept all my Matchbox cars, all my Legos, um, and I kept all my comic books. But no video games were kept. None of my Transformers or G.I. Joes were kept. None of my kind of favorite toys are kept. But uh, I do have some of my uh, toys from childhood, my original ones. But no video games. None.
0: In those early generations of video games, like, the jump between one generation and the other was very noticeable. Do you. Do you remember having those kinds of feelings where you mm-hmm. would play like something like Pong and then something like Pitfall and being like Super Marvel at the Advancement?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Especially considering the Nintendo versus the Atari. I remember the first time I ever saw an NES, I went to my grandmother's house and one of my uncles had bought one and had it hooked up to the television. And I was like blown away. I was like, oh my, it was playing Mario Brothers or Super Mario Brothers, I should say. And I can, I never forget that moment. I was like, I'm getting one of these. I could not believe how beautiful it looked and the colors and the music that was playing and the endless scrolling to the right. I was blown away by that. That was a very significant moment. The first time I ever saw a Nintendo, you know, live and in person, I'm sure I saw commercials for it before, prior to that, but seeing it in person in my grandmother's house had a a big impact on me. And uh, my, I remember from that moment I saved up my I used to cut grass and save up my allowance and stuff and my brother and I pitched in and bought our first NES <clears throat> probably around 1986 is my guess very early you know, shortly after it came out yep and I was probably around 10 or 11 years old when I got it ooh that's that's
0: prime childhood isn't it
1: yep yep <laughs> absolutely
0: man living those days must have been very magical i mean Nintendo was not only, like nowadays is is just, it's a big video game company and it has a lot of cult, but back then they pretty much had a, like a monopoly on video game culture, right?
1: Definitely, definitely. It was very interesting growing up during the earlier video game years and kind of being there and watching it kind of figure out what it is and, and develop itself. Def- definitely a fun time to be alive.
0: Were you a fan like of Nintendo Power, the cartoons and all those kinds of things.
1: Yes. Yes. I was uh, I guess you'd label me as a fanboy of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I loved Nintendo. Uh, so I watched the captain N cartoon. I drew, you know, I used to sketch and doodle, me- you know, Metroid and Samus and Mario. And I was just like everybody else, my age, for the most part, I was all wrapped up in it. It was uh, it was a phenomenon. It really was. I mean, at the school when people were trading games out of their book bags and Whipping out the Nintendo powers and talking about how far they got on this game and that game, and did you hear that? And that's that's one of the cool things about the Nintendo era was all the, you know, the prior to the internet, the only way to figure this stuff out was to talk to your friends, and they would brag about getting this far on this game, and you'd be like, yeah, right, you didn't get that far, and did you know Samus was a girl? And no, nah, there's no way, you know, all that kind of cool chatter on the playground, yeah, uh, really kind of made the kind of to me was the beginning of the gaming culture it wasn't just a toy anymore this was like a you know a subculture almost because there was so much discussion and so much mystery behind it and the games had gotten more I guess intricate and and larger and there was more mystery and of course with the Nintendo games you had for the first time you had secrets and you had you know codes you could put in and all that kind of stuff and that really I don't know if that was forethought on Nintendo's part to do that, to make it something bigger or was just kind of happenstance with the technology that had come along, but it really, really helped springboard uh, the gaming industry into, into what it is today, I think.
0: What do you think is special about video games, especially in that area? Like, what was the special allure compared to other types of media and toys and you know, stuff like that?
1: I think a big part of it is you're combining so many sensories. Um, and also for me, the sounds, um, they're so unique. Uh, the earlier video games, Atari and Nintendo, you don't hear those types of sounds anywhere else. You don't hear them on the radio. You don't hear them out there in the real world. They are specific to these video game systems. So when you combine the the unique visuals, you know, pixelated art with this very unique sound and the fact that you're integrated into this by controlling it and you have a story behind it, it's just such a powerful allure. Um, and, And that's why another thing that I think video games specifically for me are the biggest nostalgia trigger because there's visuals, there's sound, and there's memories all wrapped into one whereas reading a book you don't get any sounds out of it watching a movie obviously you get sounds but you're not controlling it so there's all these elements that are coming together that to me are make that allure so powerful compared to other forms of nostalgia
0: you know you said something very interesting about how back then what you would see and hear and feel in the video games was very unique to video games because now you know super productions triple a games they they can achieve a high fidelity in graphics and audio so you hear the soundtrack of a triple a game from nowadays and it's virtually indistinguishable from a movie right like it's it orchestrated sounds you know sounds that you know are real and of course i mean that is very good for for video games but you know how if you have unlimited resources you can do a lot of things right and, and those things can be good, can be bad, whatever. But when you have very limited resources, right, in terms of, of processing power or w- what you can do, you have to be very, very creative. And that develops a certain uniqueness to, to something. Childhood is a lot like this, right, because you have a limited knowledge of the world, limited resources. So you have to do a lot of things in a way that is very unique. You have to put more effort to compensate for the lack of resources. And video games back in the 70s and the 80s share that sort of quality along with childhood, right? I
1: agree 100%. I mean, that's why I'm also drawn to um, uh, practical special effects, for example. Um, There's something, so it, it gives so much character to the movie when you know that this stuff is actually there. And how do they do that? I remember watching like the early Star Wars movies. And I... As a kid, I used to be like, how did they do that? There was no, oh, they just got on a computer and pushed a couple buttons. There's this, I don't understand how they did that, you know, because I'm looking at it, I'm seeing it, you know, and you knew that there had to be some kind of effect that wasn't just um, put into a computer. And if you know like movies like Jaws, for example, you know the history behind that, how, you know, he wanted to do so much, Steven Spielberg, and he couldn't. He was so limited. He kept having issues with the shark not working, and so he couldn't show it as much, and that's what made that movie so great was that you barely ever saw the shark, you know? And it, it kind of lend, lend it to the uh, the drama and the intensity of the of the movie. And that that's very true what you said. I think that also comes into play uh, with our video games. Um, the limited uh, amount of technology they had, they had to find ways to make these games interesting and fun and appealing. And you had to put extra effort on the art side of it, I think. Now, like I remember when CGI first came out in the movies, uh, People were just slapping it in everywhere, and it kind of ruined a lot of the the movies because it was too much. They 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 thought in their minds, "Well, we can do anything now." Well, maybe that wasn't a good thing, you know. Maybe subtlety and and taking a, a step back and slowing down a little bit uh, is is a good thing, and that's that's why I'm attracted to that. I think
0: one thing that I find very interesting about the content that you made is that you include yourself as as a family man, as a as a father. Your kids show up a lot on, on, on the stuff that you do. When you introduce them to video games and, and movies and these kinds of things, did you introduce your kids to, to like older games or newer games?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I have this retro room here in the house, and they uh, were introduced and exposed to a lot of these games early on. Now, I will say that they've moved on to their own thing. Um, I think Luke, my middle child, still has an attachment to some of the retro stuff. Like, he just bought a Game Boy Advance. Uh, just a couple days ago, and he cleaned it up, and he's playing, you know, Game Boy Advance games. And uh, but they don't come out here and like pop in retro games and start playing them. They're they're playing their PC games and loops into his Switch. Um, and they're and I think it's great. I love watching them be in their version of of gaming right now. I don't want them to. I, I'm very careful to be one of those parents that says, oh, everything was better back then, everything's worse now, because I don't I don't think that. I don't think that's a healthy outlook on on life in general i think things were different and there are some things that were better and that i appreciate back from my past but there's a lot of progression that's been good and a lot of things that are better now so careful not to call it the good old days and everything's bad now and you kids got it so bad in the future i feel bad for you forget all that i think i think what they're experiencing now is is wonderful and great in so many ways of course there are negative sides to it um, that's a whole nother conversation get into what's bad about modern gaming but um i'm very much enjoying watching my children have their own gaming memories and and uh, have their own thing compared to mine. but they do i think it's neat that they have a healthy exposure and appreciation and understanding of the earlier years of video games uh, i think it gives them a good perspective
0: it seems to me like video games were a big part of your life in general so when you first introduced them to video games was it a big deal for you
1: i was a proud father yes yes uh interestingly enough i I did not play retro games um much at all when they were very young i've only been back into the retro scene i'd say for about gosh maybe maybe 10 years or so oh i see um yeah see my my progression or my i guess timeline was i aggressively played video games linearly up into the Xbox 360, the early years of the Xbox 360. In other words, I, I just kept transitioning from the next system. I went from you know, Atari to NES, Super Nintendo, to the N64 to the GameCube. And then I switched over to the original Xbox and went from the Xbox to the Xbox 360. Um, and that was my linear path. I never kept anything. I just kept on moving on to the next thing until I realized that, hey, I think I remember one time I, I was watching somebody uh play uh, Castlevania. I was over at somebody's house and I and just like I was talking about before, I heard it. I didn't see it, I didn't see the system, but when I heard those sounds, this wave of nostalgia just rolled over me. And I was like, and I was probably in my twenties. I was like, Oh, I remember that, you know, and that that's when I was like, this nostalgia is so powerful. I kind of just kind of bringboard it from that moment. Um and then slowly I started getting back into collecting the stuff that I used to have as I was a kid. But earlier on when my kids were uh, toddlers, they would sit on my lap and I would play Halo and I would play Xbox. And they, would be, they were exposed initially to the uh, 360 era of games. Um, and some of their early memories, earlier memories of playing video games were playing like Lego Star Wars and stuff on the um, Xbox 360, not my retro games. That was a little bit later in their life.
0: So was it a point in your life where you just kind of like stopped that progression?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was interesting. There was a period of my life when it was a very stressful time. Uh, I had three children, very young, all close in age. Um, I I run my own company, so I I have my own business. And that was stressful because it was earlier on as as well. we just moved into the Eastern Shore and we have this new home. And there was just a lot going on. And I took a a hiatus. I, I didn't have time for video games anymore. Uh, and especially the newer games that took like, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks to to try to get through. I just said, I I don't have time. I'm done. So I kind of put the Xbox down and I took a break for Mm -hmm. probably years, three, four, five years. I don't even remember exactly. Then I got back into gaming through discovering the retro gaming community. I don't remember exactly what it was but primarily i say if I, if I had to put a face to it it was the video game nerd angry video game nerd oh i might okay. have i must have been just kind of perusing youtube because there's this new youtube thing everybody's talking about right mm-hmm. so i probably just typed in you know old video games or something and he just popped right up and when i started watching some of his videos it reminded me of my childhood so much because of his setup in his basement he had the panelled walls and the <laughs> old couch and I was like, oh, my gosh, it's just like my basement from when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And that kind of triggered this, this uh, adventure that I've taken into the retro gaming community. Um, and so then I started seeking out more videos and more content and sort of, you know, buying my own video games and stuff. So there was a big gap. Um, uh, I think the last game I remember playing for my 360 was probably like um, Gears of War or Gears of War 2 maybe. And that was kind of towards the, the era where I just had to give it up. Um, so, I, I, currently, I don't really have any interest in, in modern gaming. I, I mean, I've, I have interest in it through my children. I don't play many modern games at all.
0: So, let me see if I get this straight. So, ever since you have memories, video games have been part of your life, you went through practically the first generation up to the seventh generation. You have this continuous life in gaming, right?
1: Yes, nonstop, very avid, continual. There was uh-huh. it was a huge part of my life ever since I was a, a very young child,
0: mm-hmm. and it didn't stop until like a few years ago. You stopped playing for for a bit because of of life, mm-hmm. and then you reencountered with gaming through retro video games.
1: That's correct. Let me let me go back one, and, and put one more element into why maybe my Nostalgia is so strong. My, my father passed away when I was young. I was a teenager. And that was a, a life-changing, obviously, life-changing event. And I was 16, like I said. So prior to my father's death, that chunk of my life, my childhood, so it, it was like a separate life than it is now. Not that it was better or worse, because my life now I love. I have such a wonderful family and a marriage, and it's, it's perfect. But there's this dividing line from when he passed away, that I think that is a another reason why this nostalgia is such a happy place for me.
0: What kind of era in video game was this?
1: That was the sixteen bit sixteen bit era. That was the uh, Super Nintendo.
0: Is there an era of video games where video games meant something, and then it meant something different?
1: Yeah, I think so, and that's, I think that's very true. I think that's why the uh the first two generations of atari and and the nintendo generation that's what i called my jam you know that those are my my main two favorite systems um and i I do have a lot of nostalgia for my super nintendo but i was a teenager and i was past that magical time in my life and it was like i said you know in the middle of or or after my father's death so I, i don't see it as that that certain chunk of time in my life that was, that was so magical and, and separate from my life now. It's like I had two lives. And it, it sounds silly, but that was such a defining moment that it really divided my life into two sections, you know, prior to my father's death and my adulthood, basically, because it was right around the time where I'm transitioning into adulthood anyway. And it was such an impactful thing that um, it really made this separation more definitive.
0: Has this happened elsewhere in your life?
1: No. At least not compared to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, big things in your life, like a marriage and a child, are huge. And, and yeah, uh, I, I, you can certainly pick moments that are significant and that you can even have maybe video games or something that will remind you of that. But nothing, nothing is powerful as powerful as that, as my father's passing.
0: I found that in my own life, what has happened to me has changed my taste in what I like to read, watch, play a lot. Um has it happened to you that certain events in your life just you know change your taste so oh. much that you you kind of like veer towards different genres mm-hmm. or different kinds of of feelings that you you want to to feel through that media?
1: Absolutely it's a very good question and interestingly enough I was just discussing this with my wife like yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah I mean I can I can imagine or think back to my teenage years where I was, you know, violence was the new cool thing, like in Ninja Turtles and Batman. And it, the, the more violence in your movie, the better it was. It was cool to see blood splattering everywhere. I have no interest in that anymore. I I can appreciate a movie that has some of that in there, but I'm very turned off by gratuitousness these days. And I think having children has, has really shifted my interest away from that kind of content quite a bit. Um, but I, was, I would watch anything back. It was very... I grew up in a Christian family, uh, very, my parents were pretty strict. So I wasn't allowed to watch rated R movies. Um, when I was a kid, they were very strict about what kind of content I watched. And so when my father passed away and I kind of edged towards adulthood, I had this freedom now, I could, uh, kind of make my own decisions in that department. And I started gravitating towards, uh, like violent stuff. I don't know. I, I guess it's part natural to kind of be attracted to that on some level. Not nothing real crazy, but you know, I liked video games and comics and movies that had like you know a, a bit of violence in them. And now I don't necessarily like that. I'm not attracted to that anymore. There's so much of that in the world for real now. And it's, as an adult that has kids, I'm much more sensitive to that stuff. So when you read it in the paper every day, I say the paper, you, know, you read the internet every day um, and you see these real horror stories of, of violence You just don't want to, I don't want to be entertained by that anymore. I really don't. So that has shifted quite significantly um, over the years as a, as a parent for sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, everything else goes along with that. My musical tastes have changed. I was into rock and heavy metal and real aggressive kind of sounding stuff as an adolescent. Now I'm, I'm more into more mellow music. So Mm -hmm. I think those, your interests and your art taste definitely will change as you grow older for some people not for everybody but for me i think it's my children that really kind of triggered that
0: what do you see in your children do you see them uh, gravitating towards those kinds of you know gratuitousness that you were talking about
1: no because they're you know my oldest is 16 Mm -hmm. and then they don't have a lot of freedoms what they can watch i mean we everything they watch is filtered through us so we Uh won't let them watch (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. things at this age uh, that are gratuitous anyway. Um, I think there's a a healthy curiosity in any person that wants to, um, see some of that for whatever reason, whatever's in us that is gravitated towards that or gravitates towards that. I don't understand the psychology behind that, Uh, but I know it's there, um, in most of us. So I'm sure my kids would want to see that on some level, but, um, we, we definitely, uh, we're not overly strict, but we definitely monitor and, and, uh, watch what they're allowed to watch for sure they're not, they're not allowed to watch rated r films and stuff like that this
0: changes do you think it's biological do you think it's life experience do you think it's the change in times
1: it's definitely a mixture of all those things for sure um, as i said um just life experiences having children uh, maturing just in general i think for me has helped me uh not be attracted to that stuff anymore but also I mean, gosh, the world has changed dramatically in the last couple of decades. I mean, these mass shootings and just uh, the horrors that you read in in the news are just atrocious. And uh, there's so much of that for real that I can't be entertained anymore watching people getting gunned down because it's just too real to me now. Back back when I was a kid, that, that wasn't real. That was all fake, you know? But now you know it's real. And that stuff that specifically really i have a hard time with these days
0: Why do you think we play? Like, why do you play? You know what I mean.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh I think. Oh, wow, that's a deep question for some for such a simple question. Um, I, I think it's partially escapism. You know, you're escaping from reality, right? You're entering into this safe world that you're picking, um, and you're and you're acting out something <clears throat> that you're attracted to, whether it be combat or just playing some other form um or playing video games as an adult um it, there's multiple levels of that i mean part of it's escapism part part of it for me like i said is nostalgia i'm i'm reliving my 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 good old years when i was a child uh, so i think that's a very deep question to answer and it's probably going to be different for everybody who answers it because uh, it's so uh such a complex thing to break down i think
0: here's the thing like i think that we consume media, we read books. I think there's something biological about consuming stories, learning from others' experiences and stuff like that. But there's also a component of, of enlarging your own experience, right? Like There's only so much things that you can experience in your life. Right? You have a job and you do the same kinds of things every day and you don't want to take too many risks, right? You want to live a safe life and such and such. And what media allows us to do is to enlarge that focus that that scope of what you can experience on a day-to-day basis what video games do specifically that other media can do or does in a different way is to give us that interaction right of feeling that we do certain things and we have that control
1: i look at it more instead of in terms of media i look at it more in terms of art i think as human beings we are creators we, we are mimicking god you know he's the ultimate creator we we're trying to be like him so we just have this internal natural desire to create and whether it's through a drawing or painting or a movie or whatever I think some more than others but I think all of us on some level want to create and we can only do it in our little human way through art but that is our it's a natural expression I think that we all on some level have internally that we can't stop and we can't stifle. Um, now some people are better than others, as I said, some of them are professionals at it. and that's where we get the movies and the video games and stuff. But all of us, I think, have a level of wanting to create. and a big part of that create, that desire to create is a desire to share it because if you don't share it, that you're only creating it halfway, in my opinion. So I think that is a very human thing that is everywhere.
0: Oh, you said something very interesting, and I, I'm gonna go for it, all right? Because I, I saw it as a little bit of a bait. So, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, do do you do you feel that this art creation, this urge to do to make to consume art, is a way to commune with divinity?
1: Yeah, I, I think again, um God created us in His image, mm-hmm. and God is a creator, so we we have that imprinted in our soul i think that we want to be like him it's subconscious it's just part of our the imprint of our of our who of who we all are so i do believe it is a something that's inherent in all human beings Um, not everybody may notice it not everybody may uh, use it or express it but i think it's there we have this natural tendency to want to create and share and have this communal experience, not just with God, but with our fellow fellow humans.
0: What is the role of video games in society or in our human experience?
1: I think it is a unique and absolutely beautiful form of art. That, that I'm so glad that I am here to experience. And that I am, have lived through a time period where I get to experience this very interesting, unique, and beautiful form of art.
0: Do you think there's more to video games than just entertainment?
1: Yes, I think it depends on the person playing it. I think some people might be more attracted to might have a mathematically based mind, for example. so playing a game like Pac-man or or something that's very like it could be very mechanical or mathematical. It might give them some sort of pleasure in that realm as opposed to looking at it from, you know, as a piece of art. So I think depending on the player and depending on what they're getting out of it, uh, it that's going to determine, I think, what it is to them. So everybody, everybody's different. I mean, we all, I'm very, uh, you know, I, I'm always comparing myself to my wife because we're so different. I'm very type A, I'm very type B. Um, I always look at the big picture and she's always looking at the details. So for me, uh, like things like video games, I often don't remember the story remember the little details, but I'll remember the experience, you know, because I'm always looking at the big the big picture. So uh, that just that alone, sometimes you'll get different people that will express a game in a different way because they experience it a different way. And that's why that's why it's so beautiful and unique, because we are experiencing it uh, in a completely different way sometimes than someone else. Um, Unlike other forms of media, like a book or movie where we're all kind of collectively seeing and experiencing the same thing. Once you kind of get involved yourself, you're, you're kind of putting yourself in there a little bit too.
0: Because there is a lot of thought put into video games to entertain people, to, to let them have their fun, right? But I think that it's going to be key in the future, not only as a form of entertainment, but as a form of, as I said, to enlarge your own experience. And there's so many other emotions in the spectrum, right? Like, I think you can teach a lot of things. You can make people understand and feel a lot of things not only fun per se but you can explore pain you can explore sadness you can explore you know um not 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 just happiness and joys and and these kinds of 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 feelings but what i'm getting at is that do do you think video games can have either now or in the future or you do you see it coming you know these kinds of other roles in society
1: Yes and no. I, I think you can shift them to become a tool, like you're like you're talking about. But I think at their root, I think they're. I, I keep. I always kind of see them collectively as the same. It's it's just an art. It's art. We. It is unique, like I said, and I think there it does stand out, uh, and it can be used as a tool, just like you can watch a film that's a documentary or or a training video. It's different than a, than a movie, right? But so yeah, you can kind of shift in that direction. But I think, take again, st- looking at the big picture, taking a step back and looking at video games as a whole, I think ultimately they're the same type of escapism that you're going to get out of a, out of a. I wouldn't say the same type, but it, it's ultimately for the same purpose. For me, anyway, it's it's to escape and to um, enjoy someone else's creation.
0: Because books do, do this a lot, right? you you read a book and it's not necessarily you're going to have fun with it, but you're just gonna, it's going to teach you a valuable lesson. But would you... And we make our, our children, like not mine, I don't have any children, but our children, you know, as a society, we we make them like read books and consume certain types of media that are not meant for them to have fun, but to learn, you know, a lesson. Mm-hmm. I think that, that that's mm-hmm. where video games right now, we don't use them like that kind of tool. But let's say there's a video game where you want to teach your kid about, you know, I don't know like the 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 consequences of using drugs or something like that right something that is, oh, I that, is that that yeah. is painful and and these kinds of things how would you perceive that as a as a parent you know using using a, a video game like hey son you you know play this game and we'll talk about it when you finish you know what i mean
1: I think that could that could definitely be a very useful tool used in that manner i think uh, number one, because, you know, I think back to my schooling and I'm sure I've read all kind of content that I, I forgot. You know, I, I don't remember some of the stuff I learned in history class and the in the books that I read. But when you uh, if, if you make it into a video game, that might be something that, that sticks with them a little bit longer or that they can uh, remember potentially forever. Because again, like we talked about earlier, having the sounds and the the visuals and your interaction all kind of coming together, I think uh, makes that more of a significant memory that could stick longer, so to speak.
0: talk about your content like how was that for you like how did you start making content what made you start making content
1: i think initially um the kids got to a certain age and i remember going to my wife and saying, I think it'd be okay if you know the kids and i made some videos and put them on youtube and she was i think a little reluctant at first but ultimately she said yeah i think that's okay so and i said i you know i emphasized and this was when i was starting to get involved in the cartridge club and the community and I was starting to interact with people uh, through, I guess, Twitter maybe at that time, I'm sure that's what it was, or just talking through um, the YouTube comments and stuff like that. Uh, I had developed a bit of a community. People knew who I was and I I was interacting with them already and I wanted to jump in the mix and and have some fun. And initially, (laughs) it's kind of hard to watch my earlier videos, at least for me. Uh, There was kind of skits, you know, I just brought the kids in and we would do some silly stuff and It was it was fun for them. They loved it. They thought they were like, you know stars and stuff and it was it was fun coming together under this this hobby that we love together Uh, Now my content has shifted greatly over the years as they've gotten older but initially it was me wanting to be part of the community uh, in a way that everybody else was I wanted to kind of join in because I've had such a positive experience um, with the retro gaming community, um, especially the Cartridge Club specifically, the people in there, the people that I've met, um, other people that have children as well. It's been nothing but a a beautiful, positive experience for me. And I just wanted to get in there and and join in. And I'm I'm an introvert. So that was kind of strange for me, I guess, in a sense, but maybe safe because it's, you know, it's just internet friends, right? (laughs) Because I have social anxieties and I have a hard time interacting with people in person uh i've grown out of that and i've learned and i've gotten better at it but it is something that i struggle with so this was a way to have friends and interact uh, and it was safe for me and it was fun and i i am very creative i've always been creative my whole life i've always drawn and uh, written and played some guitar and i've always got to do something or i'm just get, i get agitated if i'm not creating something so that was um a new opportunity to try something new and prior to um making my YouTube channel, I was, when the iPhone became like a camera, I had started taking the kids out in the backyard and we would make little movies and stuff. And I was using special effects and putting soundtracks behind them. And we were having a blast. And one of my earlier videos is one of those videos that I had made in the backyard with my kids. And uh, that was uh, a good opportunity to have a YouTube channel and throw that up and share it with other people as well. And that was really fun to do. So I had fallen in love with the the uh, I don't want to call it arts, but the the creative process of editing. I just love editing. And I'm I'll I'll rush through a video, but I can't wait to get to the part where I'm editing it all together. So, really, I really find a lot of pleasure out of editing. So it's just my my new creative outlet right now is making little bit stuff.
0: <laughs> the editing part sometimes is like the the hard work, but it it really is what gives the personality to content, right? The editing, the post production. Like especially on your Stuck in the 80s series, you use a lot of like stuff there that makes it look in a certain way, uh, special mm-hmm. effects. Like, where, where where did you learn all this? Did you learn by yourself, or is it linked to some of your professional life somehow?
1: No, no, I'm an electrician. I have no uh, background of any kind of training, and in... I'm very computer illiterate. Honestly, it's just a bunch of apps. I don't even... I'm very, <laughs> I'm very bad at computers. I do everything on my iPad in mm-hmm. uh, my iphone so basically i just have a green screen app and uh that's it hmm. there's nothing else I just you know download a couple of green screen images and impose them on on the uh the video and line them up with some sound effects and you got some some, some special effects there it's very simple i have i'm not very good at this stuff at all But I've always liked special effects, and I remember the first time when I made that early movie with the kids, I was so excited. Because the kids were shooting laser guns out in the backyard, and there was explosions. I was like, this is the coolest thing in the world. I'm making my own movie. I had dreamed about doing this since I was a kid. And to have this little iPhone on my hip that I can go out in the backyard and make a movie, I was just – I was so excited. And the fact that I could do that fairly easily and quickly, um, I just was doing it all the time because it was so fun for me. And I, I never knew how much I would enjoy that because I had never had an opportunity to create a film, in quotes, or to make videos before, because like you could never afford video cameras back in the day. They were too expensive. So this uh, new technology has uh, been really good for me, really fun for me.
0: Do you mind answering just 10 questions? Again, no wrong or right answers. You can answer them however you want to. Are you okay with that? Yes, absolutely. Excellent. Okay, so the first question is a game that you love.
1: A game that I love, Metroid. A game that you hate. game that I hate. Minecraft.
0: In video games, what turns you on?
1: I guess gameplay. What turns you off? Bad gameplay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a sound effect that you love.
1: In Castlevania, when you get a new item. A sound effect that you hate. Um I guess the, the log sound in Pitfall when you you know you hit a log and there's a <laughs> sound. That's kind of annoying. <laughs>
0: Your favorite in-game power-up?
1: Uh, I guess maybe the uh, spin attack in Super Metroid.
0: A game character that you would like to be? Blink. Mm. Link. A game character that you would not like to be?
1: Uh, Little Matt. Little Matt. It's hard work.
0: And the last question is, imagine you could play any game existing, imaginary, unreleased, what game would that be?
1: Um, Metroid. It's one of my favorite games. There's just so much about that game I love and so much about it that that it is like me, Mm -hmm. so naturally.